Hello and welcome to Podcast Open Mic number 68. And I have in the studio uh, three quarters of the world has bees. Uh, Brandon. Hello. And Drew. Hello. And Keith. How's it going? Good. We got some nice ambient noise going on outside. Yeah, yes. they're definitely doing construction immediately outside the building. Yes. So <laughs> that is why they have this giant uh, thing there. And uh, so. And we're also recording this in August, and uh, we have the air conditioner off, so we're having fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Humidity in Maine. So, The World Has Bees, that's a very optimistic uh, name for a band at this point. Um, Where'd that come from? (laughs) It's actually, you know, we get asked a lot if there's, you know, if it's kind of some kind of an environmental statement or position that it's really not. It's just something that... um, my daughter said to me with a lot of childlike yeah. um, alarm and curiosity. So with, when she was a little bit younger, um, her concept of the world, when she said the world, it, she was always, ref- you know, she would say the world and what she meant was the stuff that's immediately around her. We might be mm-hmm. in the living room and she would say the world, meaning these things that are around me. So we were outside playing and um, she came up, up to me with a very concerned look on her face and, and just said, Dad, this world has bees and I think that was just her way of telling me be careful because there's bees out here and you don't you shouldn't get stung but I just thought that was the coolest yeah. kind of thing <laughs> so, yeah you know um and it's it has some kind of ominous overtones to it too and I thought that's kind of a cool mysterious thing for a for a band name so that's the that's the origin of that also to kind of piggyback on that um in our genre of music uh, called post-rock um, bands often have really long and kind of ridiculous names. Mm-hmm. So we were just kind of living in the vein of that. Um, every band has really long song titles, really long names. They're all just kind of smattered together. So we figured we'd stick with the genre. Kind of reminds me of uh, the, the Ringo Starr is the one who said, you know, it's a hard day's night. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of longer. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 <laughs> Except there's post-rock sense. songs that will be like literal paragraph. Yeah, the name of the song is a paragraph long, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're instrumental only. Correct, yes. Okay. Yes, um, have, well, this most recent track does have a little bit of vocals in it, but largely instrumental. Okay. And why did you decide to go in that direction? Um, I think it's all because we all tend to listen to this style of music. Okay. Um, we found each other on the internet, um, and we all just had a similar taste. Um, secondarily, if I got nothing wrong with vocalists, but if you can't do it well live, I don't want to listen to it. So ah. <laughs> I'd rather nail the instrumental part of it. It has to make sense. I mean, if it if you can do a melody line with a guitar and it doesn't call for a vocalist, there's no need to have vocals. So. I mean, and other than that, like, all of us have been wanting to be in post-rock bands for a very, very long time. A very long time. Like, I've been trying to start something like this for 10 years and wasn't able to find it even in bigger cities. So just being able to do this is uh, a big item on the bucket list. I remember in my younger days reading uh, reviews in Rolling Stone, and they would just spend time just talking about the lyrics. And it's never. You know, it's like it's so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It usually yeah. is. Yeah. I mean that, and especially now in this day and age, there's so many, so much focus on the on vocals as a talent because of all these a lot of TV shows which are basically just glorified karaoke on on television, 
And so everybody's very attuned to what a vocalist sounds like, and it becomes the the focus of the band, and everybody else is just a supporting cast member. And um, I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you know you can create really interesting melodic music without a vocalist, and sometimes the vocalist just becomes a distraction. So you know what we do um, with the songs we produce. There's a lot of freedom in writing our music because we don't have to leave room for lyrics that have been carefully crafted in poetic ways. We can just create a melody, and if that melody is a couple of lines long and it's not long enough to, to you know, as a as a quatrain would be, mm-hmm. then that's fine. If it sounds right, we do it that way. So, what's a writing process like? Uh, very, 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 <laughs> very different than how I've done it in previous bands. Uh, I, I'm used to talking things out and planning out how composition goes, but we are very in the moment. We just get in, um, we just get into the space and we just jam, and things come of that. And quite often we have to uh, review it in hindsight. But there's not a whole lot of planning. It is very in the moment, and it's it's kind of crazy. I, I will agree, and I think to make the distinction, um, it's not so jam bandy like fish. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have structures. But those structures, we, we record everything that we do with a little Tascam recorder, and then we pick out parts of that particular session, and then we try to focus on parts around that to build or to come to. Um, and then often what ends up happening is, you know, Keith and I both play guitar in the band, and we might try to come up with counterpoints to what the other one did. And then um, being such an emotional style of music, um, to kind of piggyback on what Keith was saying earlier, I, I really enjoy instrumental music because it doesn't it doesn't lead you anywhere. You get to find that place yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really what that is about. And we just tend to write things that we enjoy. And if it makes us all kind of feel a similar thing, we just run with that feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say there's very little things that are planned. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know what's, what's most interesting to me in this band, and I've been in a couple before there was usually a primary songwriter and that person would come in and say, okay, I did a thing and let's work on it. With us, it really doesn't work that well unless all four of us are in the room together doing it at the same time. So it's the most collaborative writing process. Everybody's really invested in it instead of just kind of, you look at the one guy who's a songwriter and say, yeah, we need we need, we need more material. But for us, it's sometimes because of that, it's a very long process. We have a song called July and the reason why it's called July is because it literally took us the entire month of July that year. I think it was 2016. 2017. Yeah, 17. Yeah, it was 17. It took that entire month. We didn't really work on anything else except just that song. It took us that long to actually to, to get it written. So, do you usually. Well, before I go on, let's mention your fourth member because we left him out. Oh, yeah, yes. we, we do have a drummer. Uh, his name is Bill. He couldn't be here, um, but he's here in spirit. So. Sends his regards. Yeah, he does. Yes. <laughs> so the songwriting process is primarily done, like, sonically, then. I would yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good way that, to put that. That's yeah. a fair way to put it, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... I, uh, uh, to your point about songwriters, I even feel like people who are primary songwriters, like claim that they are but the supporting members like do so much work that they don't get credit for if, to say that any of us as the primary songwriter would be doing a huge disservice to everybody because we all have our own like very integral parts like very important parts um that we all contribute and so everything like feels very very equal we've definitely it's very democratic uh, i would say that there's been parts 
each individual has written or come up with that because you know one or two people weren't feeling we've scrapped it we've scrapped entire songs that somebody was really attached to because not everybody was in the moment and i don't think that's a bad thing um it, it's a at, at the time it's a little shocking to your ego am i right but mm-hmm. um overall it's not the worst thing in the world so is it hard to reproduce uh like a 14 minute song on stage um <laughs> you would think so I, I i wouldn't say it is i think because we listen to and just focus on this type of music it's not so hard you get because every song has an emotional attachment to it you kind of can go back to that place mentally and recreate that moment every time you step on stage yeah um which is how i always get there mm-hmm. everybody has bad shows but if you can kind of feel what you were at when you were writing it or a moment in time that you captured while you were playing a certain part it's really easy to, to recreate that um sound people um barring sound people if there's bad sound it might be a bad thing but overall yeah. <laughs> i mean for me i I've other bands that have had vocalists and things I've played with us this is the most emotional music that I've ever been a part of creating so you know it is very easy to get back to that place and to get really into it when you're playing it um, I don't know why there's just something about it being instrumental and like Brandon said you can it, you don't have, nothing takes you to that place you, you find your way there and um, it's easier to get for me anyway and even listening to music too when I started listening to post-rock and instrumental rock music and jazz and other instrumental music as well it was more emotional to me because i put my own meaning into it you know it's easier mm-hmm. to do that as opposed yeah. to you know if you're on a uh, nothing wrong with this if that's what you're into but if you're in a pop song and it tells you to be happy what are you probably going to do you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i remember times in bands where i was playing like a three minute song and having a difficult time remembering my parts because i just wasn't invested in it or i had no uh contribution to the writing process but there is just so much emotional investment like the memories just all come flooding back like i i have never i rarely have i ever forgotten a part and we've played these songs so many times it just feels ritualistic to an extent like Mm -hmm. you start playing and it just all comes out the same way every single time and i i I don't think i could do it justice unless uh, a person were able to experience that for themselves yeah, I was going to ask, is there much variation, do you find? Um, you know, after I'm sure you listen back to shows and, you know, do you wander? Um, yeah, I would say that all, definitely or? in the interim periods of the songs, uh, we, we try to be as cohesive as we can to make it like an experience as opposed to song, stop, song, stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those little interim periods, we kind of improv and wander and go off to a weird place, which is more alike, I'd imagine, to a jam band. Um, it has a tiny bit more structure, but yeah, there is a, there is variance, um, especially with this type of music. Um, there's a lot of effects going on, a massive amount of effects. We all, we have all have giant effects pedal boards and stuff. So, you know, maybe for the room, for an instant, the distortion was too loud. And then all of a sudden listening back that everybody's, the volume cranks up 10 decibels because we just didn't adjust and things like that. So in that sense, there are differences, but I would say lengths of parts of songs we do them so much as drew said that uh, we pretty much do them the same every time yeah there there's no there's no parts that are just purely improv like just as brandon mentioned like interlude parts between songs but that's really common at post-rock shows mm-hmm. for there to be this constant uh sound because i think what's different in post music is 
you're trying to create an experience for the listener. You're trying to get them lost in the music, and you don't really want to break that level of immersion that you're getting them put into. And that can be a hard thing with this genre. I feel, you know, it's definitely not for everybody. No. Some people really like uh, America Loves a Chorus. I love to say that. Yeah, it's a really famous quote, and it's true, and it's not, a, it's not wrong. Um, but there are definitely people that come to shows that they're like, the musicianship is great, it's just not my thing. And that's all right. Yeah. There's the beauty of art. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you find the, the piece of it that you like and you, and then it becomes, a, becomes something that you're into. And uh, whether that's music or visual art or films and things like that, that's okay. part of the fun. Books, you know. Books, yeah. Yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this song we have here. Uh, it was right where you left it. Um, tell me about the process creating that. Yeah, this was a long process. I mean, we it's taken, I think, all told from writing to recording to when it was done. This was over a year for us. Well over a year, yeah. And um, it's a, it was as much work outside of the studio as it was in and afterward. We, we decided to really stretch ourselves in the creation of this song, adding, like Drew mentioned, this the first time we've ever had a, a vocal part, and it's... Um, it's not a it's not a huge vocal part, but it's it's there, and it's the first time we've done that. It's the first time we've added live stringed instruments, so we had you know two um, wonderful musicians playing cello and, and viola and violin come into the studio, and we recorded them um, on a day in January. We, you know, this is the first time that we took a real active role in the the mixing and production of the song. Where Drew and I sat down with uh, Andrew Porta for Black Hat Sounds, who did the production and recording for us. And, spent about four hours with him at least yeah working and and touching up things and stretching this and working on that um so this was this is a we're very proud of the song it's a huge uh it's a huge undertaking for us and it ended up being a a, almost a 15 minute song um but it's i think it's reflective of the place that we were in when we did this and it's a reflection of a, a huge success for us and coming out of this process which wasn't always smooth there were a lot of rocky bumps in there where we were mm, like maybe we yeah. should scrap this thing but we're we're super proud of uh, of that journey and what we came out of yeah i personally re-recorded my guitar parts three times like <laughs> just to get tones right and get parts added and to get different and it just took forever in the best way yeah there, there was like when i listened to this song it's i don't just feel the emotions that are being conveyed in the song i feel all the emotions that we experienced as a band writing and recording this over the past year like we went through a lot in our personal lives there was a lot of highs and lows as Keith said we almost scrapped the song we almost scrapped parts um, and it, it was it was just the the song six seven eight months ago very different than what it is mm-hmm. now very very different and um, I think one of the the final steps is when uh, me and Keith were in the in the studio and uh, we really were trying to perfect this string part. And we were both hearing something in there that we just couldn't figure out, but we just wanted to get it done. And we went down this rabbit hole <laughs> and it was grueling, it was exhausting, but we came out the other side of it. Like I was able to look back at that song and say that I gave it everything that I could. And when I write a song by myself or, or as a collaboration, if I can't look back at a song and say I gave it everything that I could, then I, I am like so unhappy with that. Um, but I, I really feel like we all gave everything we we could for this song. 
You know, that whole that whole episode was like walking into your kitchen and something smells like it's rotting. So you just start cleaning out the fridge and cleaning the sink and taking out the trash and you just you clean everything yep. and you're still walking around going, "What the hell still smells in here?" Yeah. That was that one sound we couldn't we couldn't quite pinpoint. There was this one tone in there that just sounded so off and it, broken. It was a bass effect. <laughs> it took us forever yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. We washed every dish in that entire kitchen before we finally found the one. Yeah, and we changed the, the layering of things, like how it was organized, where certain instruments came in and came out, yep. and there, like... Effects. Yeah, there was, there was just so much that had to be done, and I, I didn't think it was going to take that long or be this, um, be this exhausting, but when we got in the thick of it, like, we both heard something that like this could become something so much more than what it was and and we were just so driven to like finish that come hell or high water yeah so you'd say there's as much post-production as there is time in the studio absolutely oh, yes. yeah um, i would i definitely uh, yes more. Um, and i would definitely give a lot of credit to andy porta as keith mentioned from yes. black hat sounds we record at the main music mill in brunswick mm-hmm. it's a beautiful space it's a great studio a gentleman named Jeb owns and operates it. Um, Jeb Enoch. Jeb yep. Enoch, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great place. It's very homey. It's not, it doesn't feel like this big overproduced, like, you know, Nashville or LA studio. It's mm-hmm. it's Maine. It's just in a mill. Mm-hmm. It's oh. great. Tall, tall ceilings. And, and then, of course, uh, Andy, um, Andy does a great job mixing in, in, in post-production, and he, he he's almost like an unofficial fifth member in some ways. He's done so <laughs> you know, he much does, he's for done us. He's done so much for us, yeah. Um, it, it takes a long time, and a lot of bands put out a lot of music, and I am okay with being a band that takes as long as it takes. Who was yeah. the, who was the, was it George Martin was the Beatles guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's our yeah. George Martin. He's a, yeah, yeah, definitely our George he's Martin. He's our George Martin. Yeah, yeah, or who was uh, Bob Rock from Metallica? You know, what's his name? Who's the guy that always produced Metallica for like all their after the Black Album? Oh, I know gosh. who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. come up with his name. Yeah, same yeah. same kind of thing though. So. Yeah. Okay, well let's give a listen to uh, "It Was Right Where You Left It." Thank and, you. Yeah, uh, we'll be back.
And we're back, and we hope you enjoy the construction sounds as well as uh, the music in the interview. So, uh, so whose, uh, so whose song was this originally? I mean, it's all four of you. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to say this came from any one person. Okay. I, again, I feel like that's doing uh, the rest of the members a disservice. When it began, it was a whole different song. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It, it did. There was it, one riff of this song, and it's the intro riff that survived, and that was it. Oh. That's the only original <laughs> thing from that song, I think, that managed well, to stay. Well, the intro riff and then the hi-hat part afterwards, because oh, yeah, that, that got scrapped and put back in. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. yeah. It was a very, very, we can't reiterate enough how long a road it was to get this song yeah. written. So. Yeah, there, there was parts that were gone for like um, half of a year, and that got put back in after some convincing and uh, some some uh, some arranging to make it sound a lot better, but yeah. But we released this up on Spotify and iTunes and Bandcamp and a bunch of other places in July of this year, and the response has been has been really strong. And we've been you know we've had it uh, we've had it featured and reviewed by a couple of different websites and just a lot of other bands in the in the post rock community, which is a pretty small community, but very tight and very supportive of each other, mm-hmm. have uh, have shouted out at us and, and told us how much they how much they like what we're working on, which is just a huge thrill for us. Yeah, it's very nice to hear this type of feedback because post rock isn't really a thing in Maine. As far as I know, we're the only post rock band that's currently active in Maine. So to get this type of so come uh, out to a show, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to get this type of outpouring and this positive feedback from like bands all over the world and like people from, you know, other areas that aren't Maine, it it feels amazing. Great. And um, so you had mentioned there's strings and all that. How do you recreate that on stage, or so do you? That is something I'll take. That's this a one good question. Only yeah. because I've done a massive amount of research. Um, we are working on it. Currently, we shorten the string part. Uh, there's a guitar part that coincides with it, and we just do the guitar part and a little bit of the bass line. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working on ways. We have a lot of friends in, in post-rock bands that are able to recreate a lot of their um, album sounds on stage. So I've been just picking their brains and trying to find a cost-effective, you know, because of course, like most local musicians, we're not getting paid for this. Yeah. yeah. We all have day jobs and careers, so to not break the bank and also to do it justice is a weird, delicate balance. Yeah. I, ideally, I would like to, just once to have live string players on stage, yeah. just once. But other than that, like, that's just a very cumbersome thing to have to do every time on stage. So the string part, vocal part we usually admit that but i would like to do it in full at, at some point it probably makes it a 12 minute song at that point instead of yes a 14 minute song. yes it does it does but that that part is very important so i really like to give it to the live experience at least once yeah. we're actually kind of recreating it now it's you know it's a it's a part that was written based on you can kind of hear that there's a, a loop that's created through you know from my guitar with with an ebo which kind of sus- endlessly can sustain a note for eternity it's a it's a device that creates resonance in the string and you can play whatever note and it'll continue that resonance forever until you stop that string so i create loops with certain tones that very roughly and not all that accurately recreate the tones roughly that the strings are playing that's as best we can do on stage for for right now Mm -hmm. but um that's that's about how we do it so you had said to me earlier the album hadn't come out will you have a physical album at some point or oh yeah that's uh 
Yeah. It's definitely in the works. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about it. I mean, we did release an EP last year, April of last year. There's three songs on it, about 25-ish minutes long. And we were originally planning the release of an EP, but this, this song took longer than we envisioned it. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know if we are, when or if we're going to release an album for this or if we're just going to do singles from here on out. That's still being discussed. But uh, we're just going to keep making new music and figure that out once we get to that point. In the days of the internet, you have to stay relevant. So, sure. you know, as much as much FaceTime as people can get seeing you and hearing you, that's kind of, that, that almost outweighs um, what an album can be. Yeah. You know? Plus, I don't want to withhold things from the world. Like, if we have a finished song, and we do have finished songs we haven't recorded, that we've only played live and people want us to record and we just haven't because they weren't high priority. Um, we have a song called You Breathe Like a Machine, which is probably the perfect example of that. But um, I, I don't want to, if we can record something, I just don't want to withhold it. I want to get it out almost immediately if that's possible. Is that part of the process, trying out songs on stage before? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah this song actually, we, we have played this song in two or three different iterations before it came to this just yeah. to try to see how it felt live how people reacted if people were in a certain parts yeah um and then you know maybe how we react on stage to the song yeah, if exactly. it doesn't feel right not just standing we practice at my house so if it doesn't feel right i'll spread out with a sound system and we're all you know things sound a lot different when you're circled up in a room all staring mm -hmm. at each other being able to talk about it so um, that's a huge that's a huge part of the process. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And okay. thankfully there's places around here that really allow for like, hey, we're gonna do a new thing. Hope you guys like it. So. Yeah, and they're they're just cool with it. Yeah. So it, it's good. But yeah, I don't I would feel very hesitant to wanna record a song if it hasn't been played live first. Because I think that's when certain things make themselves apparent. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. So Okay. So what upcoming gigs do you have? We have a show on April, on April, on August fifteenth, at uh, at Gino's. Um, it's Thursday. With Fashion Week and Kickin' Dirt, so yep. that's yeah, that's a that's a, a week from today. Um, and then after that, on the twenty fourth of August, we're playing an early show. So I think we're uh, we're starting music at five thirty yep. at Flask here in Portland, also, and we'll be playing with. Um, oh my God! Help me! Uh, Belly up! Belly up! From Vermont, they're, they're a shoegaze band from Vermont, and uh, the Forest Room, the Forest Room, which is yeah. a one-man post-rock band, from po post-rock trip-hop, like yeah, yeah. very, very different. This is this is actually like the closest thing to like a, a post-rock show here in Maine, yeah. which I'm really excited. And then for. we do have a show much further out that we're very excited for at the Apophadian Theater with uh, one of my personal favorite bands, Harbor Lights. They're out of Massachusetts. We're a huge Harbor Lights yeah. fan. And, uh, and then there's a band out of New Hampshire that we've recently become friendly with. Um, and I'm probably going to pronounce their name wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Geary. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Geary. Uh, and they're also... So it's going to be an actual... All three bands are in the same genre. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be a really big emotional show, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, that's the type of show, like, I've been wanting to create for a long time, and it just hasn't really been in the cards, but, like, I want to play shows that I, as a, a listener, would want to go see if I wasn't playing in the band, and I feel like this is the first time we get to do something like that. I do like that Portland has a lot of mixed genre shows, but with too. that, you get people that, you know, they came for A band, they're going to leave for B band, and yeah. then they're going to come back for C band. In my so. head, I'm thinking Gino's might be a tough crowd. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So Fashion Week is a very noisy, I've listened to them a little bit, they're a very noisy band, 
And then we're gonna, and I don't actually know what Kick and Dirt sounds yeah, like, I couldn't but find Gino's is definitely them. a place that's you know very hard rock. And John does a great job though trying to bridge that gap, you know, to bring more genres John's in. John's done great thing for Gino's in the past like year or so. He's having a, a whole bunch of different bands from other genres like play there. He's had some singer songwriters play there. He's had some indie rock bands play there. So I think he's bridging that gap from people looking at Gino's as a as a metal only venue to something a little more mixed genre. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. I'm sorry I left you outside for. Uh, it's a nice uh, day. Yeah. It yeah. is a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of loud and very hot in the studio. But. Yeah. So if you have an original piece you'd like to share with us, uh, get in touch with me at podcast open mic. That's m i c at gmail dot com. I'm Lorenzo, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>